0: hello everybody welcome back to the Ball and Torah Podcast. I'm your host Ozzy Frogel with my co-host Gavi Aspler,
1: and uh, today we are and very excited it? to have uh, a guest, Benjamin Lands. Hey Welcome, guys!
2: Guys, uh, happy to be here. Long time coming. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. It is nine twenty-five, Tuesday, May thirty-one. Happy first of, Kota of, the of Sivan. Yep.
1: First of Sivan. Yeah. Kota I was stove. told to say that. Uh, my dad suggested, our only real listener suggested that we, uh, yeah. before we, when we have a guest or someone singing to our Torah, we just get them to say like one minute, like their uh, life story, but in like 45 seconds. So I didn't give you any time to prepare on purpose. Okay. <laughs> Take it away. Uh,
2: my name is Gaviami Glanz. I'm in torah Kolel. I learned uh, previously in Shalavim. Uh, I have the uh, zechus <laughs> slash task <or> burden, depending <laughs> on how you view it, of uh, learning with Gavi every day. Um, mostly. And yeah, we've gone through learning Mara, Halacha, Kizr a uh, bunch of other things. Uh, believe it or not, he actually didn't want to learn the same thing the entire year. Uh, anyway, very excited to be here. All
3: right, thank, All right you.
0: thank you. So let's get right into it, yeah?
1: Yeah, so um, we know that everybody wants to get straight into the Finals preview because that's you know, the Celtics won the other day, everybody's excited about that. Warriors, mm-hmm. Celtics, some more finals. than others. Right but uh, it's been a while since we recorded, and we haven't really spoken about what went down in the conference finals. So, just to get our thoughts on that, and we're gonna ask everybody to give two thoughts or like takeaways, like two anything really they want from uh, both sides of the, the conference finals. So, uh, who wants to start? Couple goes
2: to the guest. Oh, okay. Um, okay, listen. I have uh, two two things. Yeah, two two uh, things. I, I, okay, two. yeah, my thoughts. Yeah, my thoughts on this. So, anytime I watch the Celtics play, of course I hate the Celtics. Um, they are from Boston. Ooh. Boston is the worst. Uh, Gavi, are you from Boston? I, I, I don't
1: remember. No, you but mentioning I'm from that you're, No, I don't. And think you're, you're from Montreal.
2: Oh, you're okay. Fine. Very nice. Okay. Badwagon, I
1: called this in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Three weeks ago. Yeah, everybody
2: calls the bandwagon team that's going to win. Anyway. I have been, <laughs> yeah. I have proof of them. Called, called, I, I I understand. And if the Knicks were in the playoffs, I would have said they were going to yeah, win Yeah, except
1: two. the Knicks sucked. and didn't make yeah, the playoffs. I'm and from And they, got the, they yeah, got the 11th seed. Yeah, Knicks
2: fan. Let's go. Let's go, baby. All right. Uh, Knicks and Jets. It's a tough oh, life. Oh, God, me too. Yeah. My dad's a It's brutal. So you have we him. have to talk and about football. By the way, anyway. I can't. In the offseason,
1: I we'll, we'll get into that.
2: Okay. My thoughts anytime I watch the Celtics. This is my, my take I never heard anyone else say this, but it could be that many people do. It's a fish. Uh, I think so. The following concept. Basically, there's certain things that are such a a given or such a consensus that going against it is such a big risk that you just can't take it, even if you don't believe in that. So I'll give you an example from football. So in like the 2014 NFL draft, the number one guy was Jadavion Clown, the guy was a monster. But people who were like really into it, really knew that the better pass rusher was, you guys know, was Khalil Mack, who's obviously been a much better pro. Yeah. The thing is, Khalil Mack went to University of Buffalo, which is tiny, and is not in a, a competitive division. And so the Texans kind of had to take, Klein, because if you miss, if you, if you uh, take that big risk of not taking the consensus guy, and that guy ends up being great, which is very likely, you get killed for that, Yeah.
3: That's okay? True.
2: So that's, I think, what happened actually with the Celtics. They made, like, the sh- most shrewd move in, like, NBA history. Or one of the, you know, one of something, it's up there in the draft with Jason Tatum and Mark L. Fultz, the bust of all busts. Uh, meaning, not really, can't get on the court. I think that the Celtics, the Celtics had them number one pick that year, if I remember correctly. And they traded back with, uh, yeah. with who took him? Washington? No, Philadelphia. Yeah, Philly. Right? Okay. The reason was the Celtics wanted to take Jason Tatum, but they could not go against the absolute consensus and take Tatum first overall. So what they did was they let someone else take false number one as he had to go because he was the, again, consensus number one player. And the Celtics got at number three the guy that they wanted the entire time. And every time I watched the Celtics, I just get so mad that they were able to pull off that move. I think it was – I think that if they had been at number one, they would have taken Markel Fultz even though they were confident that Jason Tatum was better. Because again, if Markel Fultz goes on to be what people assumed he was going to be, then they would have been crushed. You know, That's like passing on Jordan if Jordan was meant to go number one overall. And so therefore I think – well, he, it wasn't a consensus.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, and therefore I think that their move in trading back to get Jason Tatum – again, that's I think what happened – Is uh, what was unbelievable, and it makes it drives me crazy every time, Uh, because I hate them. Uh, So again, you see him uh, playing so well, and uh, so that's something that I think about every time I see the uh, the Celtics play. And then uh, on the Heat side, listen, they uh, I think not having uh, Tyler Hero, 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 not having him, I think he's uh, sometimes he's their closer. And uh, they didn't have him there. Jimmy Butler came through in Game Six. Did not come through in Game Seven. He came
1: through in Game Seven.
2: He had like thirty. He had thirty-five, 35 points. Listen, he he didn't. people are just saying that because he, missed, he missed, that the, shot. missed the game. Yeah, that shot. Listen, that's a bad that's shot. That's what it comes down to. So that's the problem. Yeah, he you gotta drill. take. You can't take a bad shot. You can't. You don't have to hit the shot. You got to take a
1: good, smart basketball shot. I agree. I think he. Uh, well, I mean, it was a one-on-one. to Him and Al Horford, and Al Horford was was backpedaling back. He if if. If uh, Butler just drove, he either would have drove he either would have got the foul or hit the layup to go up by one. Yeah,
2: I agree. I think it's, it's not, in, uh, right. not 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 the, the smart shot there.
1: But then again, if he hits it, he's the hero and everyone's yeah, going crazy. Like,
2: of course, but uh you know, listen, that's what uh speaking about sports is all about, right?
1: Yeah. It's fair. Alright, Ozzy, what's your uh, thought or takeaway from this series? From that series? From yeah, we'll do we'll Celtic series first man takeaway or anything there's so many takeaways that whatever, can have. i mean like obviously
0: the Celtics are a great team do i think they'll beat the warriors no well
1: save that for later or we're not okay, predictions okay, okay, a predictions don't jump the gun yeah I'm for fine. real
0: um I mean, the Celtics will make it a tough fight for sure i think the heat i mean i i don't know what i don't know all the contracts in that in that situation but I think how, – how long does Jimmy Butler have on the uh, on his contract?
1: I think two more years. So I or think one, they'll be yeah, back. two more years.
0: I think they'll be back. They have a good team. Um, so I'm not too worried about the Heat. I mean, I don't really care for them. But uh, I don't care for either team.
2: But uh, I mean, I see uh, – I don't know. Take away uh, – Interesting point, by the way, is uh, my father and Ozzy's father probably around the same age, and uh, I don't know, late mid to late forties, fifties, whatever, early fifties. My father, late, okay. mid mid forties. Yeah. Okay. So they grew up in the same era, more or less. My dad's hitting the big five zero this year. I think mine too. Don't quote me on that though. Um, anyway, me, me neither. Me neither. Uh, what's interesting is that Ozzy and I, I think, hate the Celtics um, much. I hate. The Celtics the I don't care that much about because I hate the Patriots. You yeah, exactly. So I'm a Yankee fan. I hate the Red Sox. I hate Boston. Uh, but what's interesting is that if you speak – I don't know if this is true with your father. With my father, they hate the Heat the most. Yeah? Well, they, they hate the Heat. Is that because of LeBron? I think my dad hates no, the they hate the Heat because the when they were teenagers and, you know, in the 90s or whatever, young adults, the Heat basically took Pat Riley from the Knicks. And they had these crazy, like, slugfest playoff series where, like, they would just maul each other. Yeah. And so, like, an interesting – you're a Jets fan as well. Like, I hate the Patriots, which I assume you do as yeah, well. Gotcha. But my father hates the Dolphins much more because the Dolphins were good when he was growing up and not the Patriots. Yeah. So he doesn't hate the Patriots as much. It's just interesting, this type of dichotomy. So in basketball, my dad doesn't care about the Celtics. He hates the Heat. To me, I don't hate the Heat because when the Heat were good, the Knicks stuck, you know. And the teams that I don't like are just, you know, I hate all Boston teams, obviously. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Knicks haven't really had a rivalry in the past 20 years. Does your dad think that his basketball was better, is better than, like, today's basketball? Listen, I, I, I even I think that. Yeah? Yeah, it's more interesting, more
1: physical. That's true. More like, driving. physicality. So that's where we see the age difference. Ben kind of old. I am <laughs> old. There's turned 24. Yeah.
2: <laughs> wow. You're
1: ancient. Yeah, he is very old. Well, listen,
2: Gabby's, like, 12, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah that
1: also. <laughs> Alright, um, uh, Huh? What have you taken away? I think my main takeaway was not really uh, any new big chiddish or anything. But I think the Celtics defense was just amazing for another series. Yeah. Like there's, their defense has been amazing the the whole season. They had the number one defense in the league. Their defense has been amazing the whole postseason, but like in these last games we see Al Horford, who's like thirty six in his first NBA finals now. Having one of the best he had one of the best he's having one of the best postseasons of his career. And he's 36 years old. He's playing super well, b- playing very well on defense. Marcus Smart, always amazing defender. This se- this year he was great also on defense. Defensive player, uh, of the I year. think defensive player of the year. I think the Celtics' defense was just too much for the Heat to overcome. And uh, quick preview to our predictions thing. I think that might have to be the key for their uh, to, for them to beat the Warriors also. All right, yeah, now there were, uh, there were
0: some games where just like the Celtics, like what what was it game game six? Yeah, the, the Celtics just absolutely. Smothered the, uh, the Heat
1: so. The Heat still won But they in did the yeah. In No in game 6 no, They no. did Butler just well, carried them The Heat
2: scored like 80 points yeah, In like yeah, a yeah. bunch of games yeah. In game 2 They scored like 80 points I don't yeah. know What were the scores?
1: 96 80 82 109 That was a bad game I was shocked They went to
0: 7 games I predicted it would go to six, it could be 6 games I, don't I know. predicted
1: 7 I also predicted I Warriors moved. Celtics In our first episode Yeah I mean I think I did too it was, the, it was
0: the two favorites. Like, yeah. At that point in the in the playoffs, like.
1: All right, fine. Whatever. We'll have to see who we'll really, the, who's the, really who's uh, really right later at uh, the, okay, the preview. All right, but now and uh, give us give us a thought, a takeaway on the Western Conference Finals. Western
2: Conference Finals is my number one thing. When I uh, again, I, I did not watch any of the games live. Uh, I did not watch a ton of highlights. Uh, my number one thing. First of all, I happen to. You know, now that Kevin Durant's gone from Golden State, I like them again. I think they're a fun team to watch. And, you know, again, once you get rid of a guy like KD, um, you, they're, once again, like a homegrown team. They're, they're top players are guys they drafted. And then they've got, except for Wiggins, um, but, you know, he's, Wiggins just, isn't he's good, a product. Though. Yeah, well, that's because he's playing with Golden State. He's, yeah. he's yeah. mediocre at best. He's really not such a good player. He's also Canadian.
1: He he fits the role there. Uh, Yeah, no, he's he's able
2: to. Yeah, he's like uh, the new. Is Iguodala still there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, He's like old man. He used to be. uh, So like you know, again, guys like that when they would get guys like him and yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, the other thing I I think is just that like Luca is so electric. he's He's so good. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And people were knocking him. I didn't understand when he was in the draft process that why people didn't like him. Um, it was unfathomable to me. He, he's such an unbelievable player. He's just like a slightly less athletic like LeBron yeah. at this point, like with his ability to pass and his ability to see the floor. People, people And, give him and the he's Larry a better Bird shooter. Pop. That's because he's white. And slow. Yeah, Right. Yeah. Not as slow as Larry Bird. <laughs> All right. Um
0: i think the past few years have shown that golden state is like now the best front office in the league like pat they, they used to be the Spurs for like twenty years and now it's uh it's very clearly golden state they they they've they've been to how many finals in the past six of the last eight that's crazy i mean yeah. they've had amazing teams but all, like, as you said there are mo besides k d like their, their teams are all homegrown uh, and they turn all these players much better. They make all their players much better, uh, and yeah, on, on Luca. Also, the the Mavs have got like you got to give the Mavs role players their their flowers. They played re- they played really well all playoffs. Yeah,
1: two of them, Dinwiddie and Brunson, are the only people that did anything. Luca needs help.
0: Yeah, well, you can- okay, Luca needs another star. You can't win a you can't win uh a- you can't win the uh, the finals without uh a- Without, yeah, without two stars, superstars. yeah, you need two superstars. Yeah. But once once Luca gets to have like one superstar, I think he'll win. I, I, he, it's over. He's just so good, especially in the playoffs. He's unstoppable. So I see uh, Luca is definitely going to. I think he'll win a ring in the next three years if if the Mavs do what they need to do for him.
1: Yeah, um, my takeaway. Um, first, quick apology. My throat is killing, and I'm coughing so. <laughs> Probably frozen. <crazy. laughs> Probably of COVID. <laughs> so, Vinyamin, um, just talk for a minute while I like, cough. Keep them I'm off. The about Are not going to hear me? <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, well, uh, while well, Gabby hots up a lung. Uh, you
0: got to stop smoking, Gabby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> what Gabby it is. Stick
2: with the vapes. Come on.
1: I'm much healthier. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. 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 What it is. Yeah. 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 was my takeaway? You were in the middle yeah. of speaking. No, yeah, yeah I'm good. Um, I think my takeaway was Andrew Wiggins. He had a great series. Like people, when Andrew Wiggins was drafted, they expected him to be like. He, they called him the Maple Jordan because they expect him to be the next Michael Jordan. Obviously, oh, they say that, that every
0: player, though. Yeah, the Jewish Jordan. <laughs> every, every every player is the next. Yeah. Michael Tamir Goodman. Goodman
1: will be coming on our podcast. Um, that's a, but only if you're a long time listener, you can listen to the episode. It's going to be exclusive. So if you don't start listening now, you're not going to so get to listen when Tamir Goodman comes it's, on. It's
2: just. John,
0: no. <laughs> I mean, you're dead. No, I think i maybe. Honestly, maybe I don't even know.
1: But yeah, no.
0: our prime listener is is, yeah. is Mr. Astro.
1: It's true. Um, Andrew Higgins just had a really good series overall. He, he shot pretty well. He I, I don't know he scored over twenty a few times. Great defense, great playmaking the whole series. He's had an overall like good series, and a lot of people didn't expect that from him. Like once he uh once he got traded for for Delo, people were expect people were calling that trade super unfair. Delo's way better
2: he has been around the entire league by
0: this point. Yeah. has been in Brooklyn Warriors, Wolves, Nets
2: yeah, Lakers. Lakers. Lakers, that's right. I forgot about Guy's guy. been all over. He's still only like twenty four
4: though. Yeah, he's young.
1: Yeah. But um I don't know. I think Wiggins had a great series and I think it's because of the Warriors and the Warriors plays around him are just they're so dangerous. Curry, Poole, Clay. They all just they they make the defense go on to them so then yeah, Wiggins is I think over. that's
0: more of a show of, of what it just shows how much yeah. focus you need to put on Curry Clay and, and Poole
1: Wiggins also baptized Luca. yeah that was crazy that was wild that was, that was, a a, nice that was like a Blake Griffin style dunk that was a nice dunk he cocked it back that was a beautiful dunk yeah so I don't know I think the Warriors uh, the Warriors are very deadly and uh, you'll get to hear that from us very soon but uh first we'll uh hit a quick tour break, and then we'll be back with our finals preview. Thank you. I'm going to go cough a bit.
3: So preparing for uh, Shavuot, which is coming up so soon, worthwhile to refresh your memory, what actually happened at Harsinai. One of the interesting psukim that we have is, metakolod The entire nation saw the thunderous voices. They saw the lapidim, the fires. Shofar. They even saw the sound of the shofar. The mountain was filled with smoke. The people saw and they trembled, they shrank back and stood far away. If you notice, it says twice that they saw. And then again, the people saw and the people saw. So the Sfas is asked, why does it have to say that they saw twice? We know that they saw, they were watching the whole time. So he gives several answers. I'll share with you two, two, two quick answers one answer is is that at that moment they achieved an enormously high level they achieved Ruach HaKodesh and they were able to see for the first time the true nature of their neshamas and that second seeing was seeing the greatness the great potential that they had to absorb torah to become one with the torah to come close to Hashem and they were overwhelmed with the fact that they now realized that Hashem's expectations for them were so great, were so vast. And this was a frightening and yet inspiring moment. So the truth is, that's a pretty scary thing for us to consider as well. When we contemplate our potential is so great, that means Hashem has so much to ask from us. I mean, we might not have the ruach HaKodesh that they had at that moment, but we know that we have this incredible neshama, and therefore our potential is essentially limitless. So what do we do with that tremendous responsibility? So Rabbi Tarfon assures us in Pirkei Avot, that, lo more that the job is not for you to complete it might be but tell me Mena, you can't just say I'm not going to do it and you can't make an effort you got to put your best effort in but hashem knows what your best effort is and as long as you keep trying Tarfan assures us that you fulfilled your task I give you one more idea the vitamin it also says that maybe what they saw maybe what they saw that made them so nervous so scared was having this rural Kodesh. They actually saw the future generations and they thought to themselves, oh my gosh, our descendants, they're going to have to keep the Torah. But they didn't stand at Har Sinai. They're not seeing what we saw. We're inspired. We're ready to accept the Torah. But I see that they're going to have to, in future generations, keep the Torah like this, but they weren't here at Har Sinai, And they were afraid that maybe the future generations would fail in their mission and not keep the Torah going from generation to generation. That's what they were afraid of, says the Tzvah Samas. So the truth is we also have some comfort here. Because the fact is, if the, uh, just like our forefathers stood at Harsinai, so we have a belief that we too stood at Harsinai. And this is actually such a real concept that our neshamas were at Harsinai. And deep down, the inspiration of Harsinai is in there. When we dig for it, we can find it. It's actually a halacha concept. It comes out in Mesechet Shuvuot, a concept that appears actually in many places, that every Jew is Mushma Omed Mi Harsinai. And he, every single Jew has already taken a vow to keep the mitzvah of the Torah. So if he takes another vow, I'll never eat uh, matzah again. We can't make such a vow because he already swore at Sinai that he's gonna eat matzah every year on the 15th of Nisan. So how can he make a vow against his previous vow? Well, wait a minute, when did he stand at Sinai and make such a vow that he's gonna keep the entire Torah? That's right, because we, every single Jew today and every generation, we're actually standing in a Sinai, And because of that, and we dig deep and we take the Shavuot to recall what it was like to have actually been there. We might be able to find those memories, those glimpses of the magical, special moment that created the Jewish people where we stood together with all generations at are Sinai and find the inspiration to do our very best in keeping the Torah and keeping it going from generation to generation. Maybe it's an inspiring Shavuot for one and all, and may your learning grow and grow. Thank you so much for
1: Paul Thiel. Um, unlike two episodes ago, what's so funny? That's <laughs> <laughs> you know how it works. That's yeah. just how it works. We plug I'm in sorry, it after. All right after. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been like twenty seconds for us, but Rapalje just gave a whole five minute before. It. So uh, for you, it'll have been a while. But it was really good. Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much, Rapalje. <laughs> <laughs> <Totally>,
0: truly inspiring.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he like quoted like the Svas Ms, like tons of, tons of tons of cool stuff. Yeah, I got him earlier. I, I This time I, uh, I I asked him in advance because uh, a few episodes ago we asked for Paul Teal to do it, and then he didn't end up uh, doing it, and we had to upload, and then there was just a slot that said, think you're Paul Teal, and there was no Tartar there. So I must, have missed, I must have missed
2: that when I was listening. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, okay.
1: right. <laughs> wow, you listened. No. That was- um, <laughs> so I guess now we're going to talk about Celtics uh, Warriors' finals predictions, but... We're going to actually stop again because is in two minutes. Yeah, uh, but for it. you, it'll be like five seconds. But for us, uh, we'll be back in 20 minutes. All right. Well, we're back for Marv. And uh, we're excited to get into the finals preview. So uh, I'll just ask everybody the obvious question that everyone's waiting to hear the answer to. What do you guys think is going to happen? Predictions.
2: Um, I'm going to go with uh, Warriors and six. <laughs>
1: Warriors and six, All right, you wanna give so. Yeah, uh, sure.
2: I think uh, I think the Warriors are gonna come out of the gate swinging. I think that they've been preparing for this for a little while, um, and it's been a it's been a couple years since they've been in the finals. You know, Clay Thompson hasn't really had a full full season in a while. Obviously, he had this I mean, season.
1: officially, this is, he's been in finals six straight years.
2: That's I crazy. Right, but he also missed two years, and I think that you know he's gonna he's itching to get back on that stage. Uh, I think this is a first for Andrew Wiggins. I think that's gonna be very big for him. Of course, it's a first for everyone on the Celtics. But I think when it's a first for everyone, I think inexperience shows. When it's a first yeah. for one key player, while basically everyone else has been there, done that, or at least a bunch of other main players have been there and done that, I think that he will not show that type of shrinking in the spotlight I think actually he'll be able to thrive and I think he won't have the effect and the shock of being there the first time and I think that he'll be able to be really effective I think the Warriors come out win the first two games they'll lose one win one lose one and then uh, put it away in game six
1: yeah um I, I saw a crazy stat that said that the Warriors combined have a total 168 finals appearances between them and Boston has zero wow zero. It's crazy. All right, Ozzy, what do you, what do you have going on?
0: Um, yeah, I think Warriors and Seven. And I agree with what you said about the experience. I think experience is just going to play such a massive role. You know, almost, uh, all, almost all the key players on, on Golden State have been here already. They know what to do. They've, they've done this over and over again. And uh, I think that'll show very I – th- I think it'll still be close because at the end of the day, both teams are very good. But I think experience will win them Win them. this. The, the, the.
2: Even Jordan Poole, he had a huge moment in college. I don't know really? if you guys remember the NCAA tournament. He was on Michigan. Crazy buzzer beater.
1: Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. I, re- I love Poole. He's, he's in our q and later. You'll see. He's, yeah. he's in one of our questions. Um, you guys can probably guess where I'm going with it. Celtics. I'm going Celtics in seven. And okay. I'm actually going because of the opposite of what you guys said. Okay, but guys, this is
0: a prediction. I, you can't be biased in a prediction. I'm not being biased. I'll, I'll explain. Really i right
1: now. Okay. The whole playoffs, we've noticed that, and the the whole season, we've noticed there's one like not one, but there's like a, a reoccurring theme that's been going on. That young guys are starting to become the top dogs, and that young teams are thriving. Like the 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 Grizzlies, the whole season were great. The Suns were also great. They have Chris Paul, who's older, but the other the rest of the team's young. The Grizzlies were all young. The Celtics were all young. All these young teams are Marcus playing super George well. Already
2: kind of old. He's
1: twenty-eight.
0: they sound like a thirty-five-year-old on the team.
1: Okay, they their main guys. You know what I mean. Yeah. So I I think here we're gonna it's gonna be on the biggest stage possible. I think we're gonna see that young is the new uh, young is the new best in the NBA. I think it's now time for the young guys to to slide in and the old guys to get out. Okay,
0: I guess that fi- this finals will show if you're right or not.
1: I, nothing is. I think it's when to be seven games. The Warriors are super dangerous. I just think that that we're going to see that it's better to have a young team nowadays.
0: I just don't see an answer to all the Warriors' weapons. Even even the best defense in the league, I don't think they can. All
1: right, so that's a perfect segue into what we're going to talk about now. So we're going to break it up into two sides, the Celtics and the Warriors. So first, I have a few questions on the Celtics that everyone will uh, will answer. First, what do they need to do to win? Like, What's their main strategy? Is it that they need to stop going Golden State? That they need to outscore yeah, they them? Do, or, like they need like, to do both those things. Yes. Obviously, they need to do both those things. I'm saying, like, what do what do the Celtics really need to to do to be able to to actually win this? Uh,
4: is that a question? These
2: questions are always a little bit, uh, you know, of a cop out. Yeah. Obviously, they need to play. They need to score, they more, score points. more points, right? And they need to <laughs> okay, I don't worry. <laughs> what do they need to do? They need to do what they did the whole season. Yeah. They need to play really good defense. They're not going to win by scoring 125 points. Okay,
1: so that's the answer, Mike.
2: Right. Okay, they need to win the way they won, you know, 50 games in the regular season, and the way that they, uh, you know, won the Eastern Conference Finals. They need to to play their defensive game and uh, have, you know, and, and they need to shoot. Um, in a efficient manner, which again is true, every team, every game in the history of the league. You yeah. need to shoot efficiently. Uh, You know, again, Jason Tatum needs to shoot. He's been a little up and down this playoffs a little bit. Um, he's had some games where he did not shoot well. And, yeah.
1: uh, it's time to shape
0: up.
2: Time
1: yeah. To
0: play the best basketball you ever have.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's all in their defense. Um, so, number one defense, but the Warriors were tied with them for number one defense in yeah. the season. The Warriors so do not get their talked to. They're, they're, the Warriors defense does not get yeah, talked to. that's about. because their offense is so good. They're so good yeah. on both ends. But I, I think the Celtics, if they want to win, I think Ima Yudoka should go... I, I, I was talking to my dad on the phone last night and we were talking about the, for the finals preview. It was basically just a mini-podcast, but on a phone call. So cute. Um, and we were saying that either they have to go big or they have to go small. They can't just play their regular lineup because either they can... The Warriors play small, so either they can match the Warriors small, and they can have guys who can guard them. Like Grant Williams is a great small guy who can also guard in the perimeter and on the interior. Or if Imediadoka wants to, he can force the Warriors to go big, and he can play his big guys and force them, force the Warriors to go big, and not be able to run their small ball.
2: Well, again, yeah, the question in that is going to be really who's more confident in their system, because one of them is going to have to react to the other. Meaning, if he tries to. To you know, make them go big, right? So at the same time, they're forcing them to go small. Meaning, at both times, you're forcing them to kind of come to you. The question is, who's gonna break? Who's gonna acquiesce and play the type of game the other team wants versus be confident? And again, there, I think you come with experience, an yeah. experienced coach, and experienced players, and they know that what they do works. And I think that the is, if they want to go small, they'll go small, and if the uh, Celtics go big. The Warriors will not view it as, oh, we need to match them and go big. They'll view it as, okay, they're going big and we're going to run circles
1: around them. yeah, have, okay, they're they going to run circles around them, but then Robert Williams can just dog whoever's in the paint.
0: That's fine, but when you have Steph Curry, you, you, have to always, you always have to have someone shadowing
1: him. Yeah, I know. Like nowadays, I, I love three-pointers, but twos are just way more efficient than threes. They,
2: they, need, they need to be a lot more efficient uh, to make it worthwhile. Listen, I think that they're both going to play their game. I think the end of the day for the Celtics offensively, they're also especially when games are close, they're going to want to play uh, small as well, and they're going to have to you know play the the Warriors game a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, i I see the advantage in the Celtics' big. They they're a much bigger team than the the Warriors, so I that mm-hmm. can definitely play a factor. But I you I can't I can't really call it until you actually see it. The Warriors have done this forever. They've always had they've had these. These core players, and they've they've always been successful. So I I, I mean it's hard to gauge like because they had Kevin Durant, but whatever. Like I still think they they have they have an amazing amazing team, and I don't think just because they're playing big is, is going to force them to do really anything.
1: Yeah, I, I mean I, I think I think and if I I'm Ime Udoka, I'd probably run Smart, Tatum, Brown, Grant Williams, and Al Horford. <coughs> Starting. Sorry, uh, this is not a very professional podcast, but we only have one of It's okay? <laughs> <coughs> yeah. You're getting COVID. You're getting us COVID right now. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, I'm running them because I think that the four guys other than Al Horford can all guard in the perimeter or the interior. So, And then they have Draymond Green as their fifth guy rounding up the lineup, the Warriors. And Al Horford doesn't really need to guard him out in the three because Draymond has hit threes. So I think they can just they can have... This small lineup, while also having an advantage with Al Horford. Listen, so if
2: Draymond's open in, in, in the finals, knock down a three. Yeah. Yeah, you're too young He's to remember it. when he. He's he done it. When I've when seen he it. when he was in the finals like six years ago. Am I? All right, He's knocking down three from top of the
1: key. All right, fine. So now one more question about the Celtics: like, who needs to? We'll do the X factor again. Who needs to step up? Who needs to be that guy who's the X factor on their team?
0: Oh man. I like. It's hard to say because it's the finals. You you need everyone to play the best they, they they are. Like, who's gonna make the most? Like X Factor, you mean? Like who's gonna make the most impact? Jason Tatum.
1: Um, but uh, it's not what F, X Factor means? So what
0: what is it, What what's the question?
1: Not who needs to who needs to step up? Not their main guys. What, everyone is. What to other step guy? Up.
0: Every single player. I got, like, can you, can you, who who, let me give you, give back the question to you, to you, who who uh, who's, who's, who's each, who's each team's ex
1: I think the Celtics is Marcus Smart. I think Marcus Smart just needs to play the best defense he's ever played on Steph Curry, and I think that if he can play really good defense on Curry, and that's going to be Curry, so Curry's still going to score, but I think if he can play good defense on Curry, get him to shoot inefficiently, get in foul trouble, get offensive calls on Curry, I think if Marcus Smart can, can anchor the perimeter defense, then the Warriors will, will will they'll be scared. Steph won't Steph their star player getting clamped by Marcus Smart, What's gonna I happen. I've never heard of that in my life. And then I I I just think Marcus Smart has to anchor the defense on the on the perimeter. That's what I think. Listen
2: again, we all have the same X factors. You can go with you know a guy. You can – there's so many generic answers with X-Factors. You can talk about a guy maybe coming off the bench, a guy who's younger, a guy who's less
1: experienced. He gets the X-Factor. Uh, it can definitely be Jordan Poole.
2: It definitely be an X-Factor type guy. Um, I don't see like, an X-Factor. Like, does
0: it, every player – it's question the is right,
2: to be an X-Factor, like, does it doesn't need to be someone who hasn't been a factor until now? Like, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, we're not going to have like another like Matthew Dellavedova. Like he ended up being a real X factor, like unexpected, and like he changed the course of the finals uh, that year with the Cavaliers. Um, I don't think that it's very possible to predict that. Again, you can look through the middle of the bench and uh, try to find someone. I think that a guy who, if he plays better than he has, um, that that his team will win will be. Uh, Potentially would be, again, Jordan Poole. And uh, for the Celtics would be, um, I don't know, it's a tough one. Yeah. Probably Marcus Smart offensively, if he could really contribute a little bit I more.
1: Like uh, I also think Grant Williams can be a big one.
2: Yeah. I, I think Grant Williams. Listen, anyone can be an X-Factor. Yeah, also, no that's the point. Of it's X-Factor, so hard yeah. to predict
1: yeah. that. Yeah, like, Fine. True. Um, with that Jordan Poole X-Factor call, we can uh, we can go over to the Warriors. I mean, it's basically the same thing. We already said everything about the Warriors, but my main question about the Warriors is, like, what kind of defense are they going to play?
2: Uh, I have <laughs> no idea. I don't know, like, what. There's yeah. their zone and there's man. Because who, who are they putting Curry and Poole on? Curry's not such a terrible defender. He uh, can take, I don't know, he can't take Marcus Smart.
1: I don't know, can he?
0: Listen, I, I think the Warriors' defense will revolve around Draymond. It doesn't like yeah.
2: so again. Who, now who are, teams are not, on They don't have. They don't play men anymore. It's all yeah. It's all zones. It's all zones. zones. And you know, if you have a guy like Draymond who's uh, able to guard basically all five positions on the floor effectively, uh, you know, it's. You, I think that you know you have guys rotating. Okay, so sometimes you end up with an unfavorable matchup. That's the way the NBA works now. Every game ends up like that's that. What you you watch, yeah. you that's what. watch any game and you end up multiple times a game with a guy six foot two guarding a guy
1: who's seven feet. Like
0: the, just, That's how offenses are run. they they You yeah. find the mismatch.
1: You, you, you run for the, They're gonna go for the pick and roll. Switch onto Curry with Tatum, and Tatum's just going to bring him inside.
0: Yeah, but when you have Draymond Green, i think. Okay, I so don't... you have
1: Draymond Green inside, so they're just going to kick it out to Al
4: Horford. And I don't know okay. he's on the the warrior
1: center now. <coughs> Draymond
4: Green. <coughs> Looney. Draymond
1: Green.
2: Looney. Right. I'm saying, so the guy can redirect a, a driving Tatum, and he kicks it out, and the question is, who's going to
1: hit it? Yeah, that's. They don't it, have but... knockdown uh, three-point shooters, necessarily. Yeah, but at the end of the game, it, the, whole, the whole game really comes out to their best player against whoever their best defender is. So who are you putting on Tatum? If you have to put someone on, at the if end I have of to game. put, if there
2: was a green, of course I'm putting green. I think. You think Green can keep up with Tatum? Yeah. I, I don't know. He wasn't he like defensive player of the year? He's like twice over now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That was like I four s- years ago. Okay, he's, he's not. He's the, like thirty years old. He's one of the best defensive players this generation. Okay, and Tatum's one of the best offensive players. Okay, okay. First yeah, of all, you okay, can't Okay, calm say that. down a little bit you over there. You can't say Mr. that right Boston, now. All right. Okay. Uh, and um, yeah, I'd put Green
1: on on Tatum. You should really be asking you, about Brown. So who are you putting on Brown? Uh, that's that's what I'm saying. Clay's he, a great defender. He was a great defender. With this he season he hasn't been that great. I don't know. Listen, he's been slow on his. On and the fact
2: of the matter is, business. the Warriors have a good defense. They did it against much better <laughs> offensive teams, you so, know, within, uh, than the, than the than the Celtics, you know. So, I think that they could get it done. And again, you know. They're not, you know, they they meet fire with fire. Their offensive firepower is uh, is is huge. Yeah, when you break it
0: down, they have both both teams have great offense, great defenses, and the Warriors just have a better offense than the Celtics. So, I mean, when you just look at it like that, it's
1: it's it's like I I don't know. I think the Celtics are going to come out swinging, and I think they're going to take game one on Thursday night. Warriors game one. It's in Golden State, but I think they're going to come out hot. Okay. The Warriors have way more rest, but I think since the Celtics are fresh off of their win, yeah, it's also gonna, they still have like four days. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah, yeah. three days. I, I think the Celtics state game one on Thursday night. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, can, I can. you can't tell that.
0: It's so hard to tell.
1: All right, fine. So uh, I guess we'll. That was it with our finals preview. Get probably gonna be a good one. I think, we, I think we all uh, say it was going to
2: be a think, good finals. If only it
1: was a week later when I'm home. If only it was a week later. Meaning, like, only two
2: games will happen before you go home. Three.
1: Okay,
4: Whatever. It's
1: okay. all yeah. good. The yeah, fall? I'll be okay. Uh, game one's on Thursday. That's all I know. Whatever. Anyways, that was it for our, uh, for the NBA Finals preview. We'll be coming at you with a, a Q&A soon. But first, we're going to get a for Torah from our very own Binyam Alliance. Okay,
2: so I'd like to uh, speak a little bit about Shavuos and about uh, what exactly the purpose of uh, Torah is in our lives. There obviously there not necessarily one uh, true or, or one exclusive answer to this question, but maybe. Uh, we discuss one facet of it, it could really impact, uh, the way we, uh, relate to the upcoming Chagah Shavuos, uh, Zman and it can, uh, it can affect them. And, you know, if we have an effective day and an inspiring day, hopefully it can uh, help us through the summer where there's less structure and then going into Bat, both of you, yeah. um, and hopefully it can really help, uh. You know, all of our listeners and and me, of course, uh, speaking help us uh, contextualize what exactly we're uh, celebrating on Tarak I mean, the answer is that we're celebrating Torah. And so, what exactly is the role of Torah in our lives? Obviously, we know Keikh of our Kaminir I mean, Reddit is everything. One thing people speak about a lot when they speak about um, Matan Torah is they speak about uh, the unique qualities of Harsinah, right? That it was smaller, and was a metric that this this mountain said, you know, Allah, if you think that's our Torah, right? Every uh, Everyone wanted the Torah, I'm the tallest, I'm the strongest, mean, right? And I had enough, of, right? That's one facet people speak about. The other one they speak about is the fact that it was outside of Eretz Yisrael. Because to, sh- to show us that you don't need to be in Eretz Yisrael, although that is the ideal, right? You, don't, you also have to keep the Torah outside of Eretz Yisrael. Those who are able to keep the Torah outside of Eretz Yisrael. But... It's often from Moshe Shapiro, one of the great uh, baal of our generation, the previous generation, uh, the following uh, unbelievable idea um, that we see from Har and that really reflects um, overall values and overall ideas inherent to Talmud Torah in general. There's Gemara in the fifth paragraph of Babas, and fifth paragraph of Babas has had some wild agatas. crazy. Rabba Barbar Khanna, he he saw crazy things, you know, fish the size of cities and, and things like this. And now, obviously, there's a book, uh, I think it's called uh, The Jester, and, and...
0: It's The Tales of Rabbah Barbar uh,
2: Okay, fine. So there's another. Rav Feldman, I think, also wrote, like, uh, The wrote a parish on these Gemaras, and um, you know, I think Rav Feldman wrote, like, uh, some book, The Jester and something, I don't know, uh, speaking about them, and they're really wild. Uh, you know, human human skeletons with bones that you could walk in. Crazy things. Um, one of the stories is that uh Khanna says to this uh, Arab uh, traveler, show me Harsinai. And God takes him there, and Ravavar sees that it was surrounded by scorpions the size of donkeys. And they were white. What's going on here? So, uh, Moshe Shapiro says the following. He says... Scorpions, as did in, in the Mishnayos, brought down in Rakos, that if you're dominating Shmonasra and there's a snake around your leg, you can't interrupt Shmonasra, because as long as you don't bother the snake, the snake won't bite you. But if there's a scorpion, then you can uh, get rid of it, you can interrupt Shmonasra. The reason is that a scorpion will just sting. Right? The scorpion is, in its nature, antithetical to life. It is anti-life. Okay? Similarly, he brought a uh, Mendris that talks about how unique the bite of a donkey is. Right? The bite of a chamor, that it goes deeper and it bites the bone. It doesn't just bite the flesh, it bites the bone. Right? It's also, it's, it's against the human form. So, Wolfson explains, the, what's the significance of these things being around Har sinai right? He says that Torah itself, what it needs is, is in a certain sense, anti-our life. Now it's not obviously it's not pro-death. It's not what it means. It's not uh, an antithesis to life. What, it, what he what he says is the following people talk about, and this may be true and there are for sure elements of this that are true, uh, how Torah makes our life more meaningful. It makes our life better. Says so that's not that's not the right way to view it. We need a view in the Harsinai model. Right? Harsinah was surrounded by these two things—the the donkey-sized cra- uh, uh, scorpions, right—things that are totally anti-life, right? Things that are in their mahus inherently, in their be- in every fiber of their beings, anti, anti, this type of life, our regular type of life. And at Mount Sinai, right, we died when Hashem said the dibros, right, anti-life. And we have a drasha, right? Zos Torah, adam ki oh beohel. Right, and we say, right, you can only be Kona Torah, El Mishimimis Atmo aleha. Right, you can only be Kona Torah if you kill yourself over it. What does all this mean? It says Wilson, unbelievable idea that really frames, uh, again, what Torah really means in our lives. People talk about, again, as I mentioned before, that Torah makes our life better. He says that's not what it's meant to be. Torah gives us a different life. It's not that I am trying to improve my life now. That's not what Torah is meant to do. I meant you're meant to kill your previous life it's anti-life Torah is a different life it's a better life it's not that Torah is not that living a life of Torah is not great obviously living a life of Torah is the most amazing thing but the way to really get it is not to try to adjust my life and make my life better take the life I have and make it better that's not what Torah is Torah is look at those scorpions and the donkeys look at them look at the fact that at Matan Torah everybody died and they have to be brought back to life. Right? Read that drasha, right? think about that drasha, right? Mi shememis at mo'aleh, what does it mean? It doesn't mean that you have to kill yourself every day. It means that you need to kill, you have to get rid of that, the life of just going after and following and focusing on physical things and nourishkeit. You have to go away from that life. right? We go to a life of Torah. It's not adjusting, it's not, it's not changing our life and making this life better. It's a different life. It is a that that different life is a better life, but that's what Torah is, right? It's you can't have what we call Khaya Olam as a life of Torah, and Khaya Shah as a life of uh, of Gashmias. Those cannot coexist, they can't happen at the same time. They're separate things, right? And that's what the message of Harsenai is. And that's what Rabbi Barbarakana saw and he gave over to us in the Gemara. Right? Where did he see? He saw the, the message of Harsenai. That in order to get Torah Now again, I'm not saying that it, uh, that's it You know, uh, I'm just going to wear Like a uh, plain clothes every day and, and eat bread and drink water It's not that But it's, we have to change and, and refocus a little bit from thinking that Well, I have my life And like I'll add Torah and it'll make my life even better That's not what it is, no, no, no Torah, in order to really be Kona Torah, you need to allow it to change you and And, and give you a different life A life of Torah that's not my life with Torah. It's a life that is fully led by, influenced by, and focused on uh, Torah. And that's uh, hopefully we could go into Shavuos, understanding that that's what we're uh, re-experiencing on on Shavuos. Uh, this idea of of trying to commit ourselves really, we have this we have this in us, and we need to let it come out and really try to change ourselves and make sure that we're oriented toward torah in a full and all-encompassing way and not just well like i have a solid life and like i want to make my life better and more meaningful so like why don't i do that no that's not what it is it's i have a life of a life of chayisha and i want to ensconce myself and engross myself in chayi olam and for that i need to again it doesn't mean uh you know remove all grocery contacts or or you know stop eating food you like right you don't need to it's Make that part of your life of Torah, instead of making Torah part of your regular mundane life. Make, make that part of your life of Torah. Because as we see all these things that seem to not have, that, that are antithetical to life, in terms of being Kona Torah, is because you need to leave that regular life and have a chaye Torah. So, so thanks for that.
1: Awesome, thank you, Binyamin. Thank, thank, thank you so, you so much. Torah. You're welcome,
2: thank you for letting me share.
1: Thank you for sharing. All right, uh, so I guess we'll get to the Q and A. This podcast getting kind of long, so we'll we'll make it kind of quick. Bad. Yeah, no, it's no, all it's good. not bad. It's not. It's all good. good. It's okay. Also,
0: we've had longer episodes. Of this we've had, yeah, we have
1: like one like fifty five minutes. <laughs> all right, so some of the, one of the Q and As is a speed around that I wrote. It's like two second answers. I'll just give them to you fast and then afterwards we have a few uh, Q&A we have a few questions that were given from our uh, amazing listeners they sent them in
2: okay
1: why is that so funny
2: no it's not uh, funny yeah, at okay. all it's the least funny thing i ever heard okay yeah oh
1: yeah alright fine we'll get to the speed round we won't waste any time let's go let's go question number one what's your favorite book in Chlomish something
0: Adam Naveen Naveen Ankesuvin no Chlomish just Chlomish. Oh, it's, a, it's
1: a speed it's a speed uh gracious. favorite Chlomish commentary Rashi. Favorite book in Tanakh. Shmuel. Zachmav. All right. Favorite seder of Mishnah. <sighs> that's tough. Oh
0: my God. Uh, Quick speed. <coughs> I don't. That's a tough question. Um. Probably brachos. That's it's
1: it's a not separate. a seder. It's say se- it. Fine. Whatever. All right. Favorite commentary on the Mishnah. On the Mishnah? Yeah. The Gemara. Valid, I like fine, I respect that. Divana. Favorite Masakta. Favorite Masakta. Nidorim. Ooh. Hmm, uh, Makos. All right. Favorite commentary on the Guara. Just, just Rashi still. Yeah, still Rashi. I thought you were going to say like something cool. You have like all these cool Hebrew Svarim. Those are not commentaries on like the Gemara. Those it says more, base, or uh,
2: la- <laughs> on Yeah, those are more like on Rambound.
1: Ah, fine. All right. Favorite Halakha safe I use. Mr. Brewer. <coughs> Mr. Brura. These are... I, Favorite I character in Tana.
0: Oh, that's a good question. I like that. Yeah, that was the last one I had.
1: Mo All right, fine. Well, that's the end of the speed round. Thank you for joining. All right, yeah, that's yeah, sure. okay. <laughs> Question number one. This is kind of like a, a Sean question, but like, we'll, uh, we'll apply it to you. How do you plan on taking what you gained this year and using it to help next year's Sean Wow. So even I even I considers. totally
2: reject the fact that you thought that that's only.
1: No, because it was specifically sure. like. Okay, but that. it applies. Yeah. every I know. That was you asked by Gotti Coleman. Okay, we should ask
2: question got this got question got every single year, every single day, really. But really, every year, no matter where we are in life and why you uh, or wherever we are, we should be asking uh, those questions. Uh, so. I think, uh, sorry, what was it again,
1: No. How do you plan on taking what you gained, this, you year gained help this year and helping next year's? Listen, uh, listen I had an
2: opportunity really to learn, I uh, had a lot of time to learn this year, I Hashem. Uh, hopefully, it, it helped me grow in my Hasmanda. I tried to. No, this is to,
1: to use it to help is the, this advice? people next year. Are you supposed to give them to a advice? To help
2: people next year? Yeah, to help the oh. Shauna
1: Oliphers next year. Oh. Uh. To be a mentor.
2: Oh, don't go out Tuesday nights.
1: <laughs> Okay. Is it my it's like, it's like advice? How do you plan on taking what you gain this year and using it to help next year, Shanell? Okay. I'll give them advice. this year. Yeah.
2: I will give them advice. I'd say it's very
1: vague.
0: Hit the ground running and not waste time in the beginning of the year getting settled. Just do what you're supposed to do in the beginning and you'll learn to like it. I think this that was my 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 own experience. And I think like in the beginning of the year I wasted some un- a month and a half of just whatever
2: right second stuff.
0: yeah like 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 whatever there was some part like what I didn't I I wasn't using my time as wisely as I thought of and I'd say you the you the second you get you get here you have to use every minute because I I cannot believe that it's over already like it it just started
2: honestly I'd say also for my what I learned this year is uh People should listen to this podcast. Yeah, uh, <laughs> is... like subscribe <laughs>
1: exactly.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah, and comment. Is it comments? Mm, I don't know. No, it's on
1: Spotify. All right, don't comment. Um, you <laughs> can you can text house. me. Text me if you uh want to be shouted out on the podcast. Or if me. You made it this far, forty eight minutes in. <laughs> then uh, you're a very loyal listener. Please text me saying you made it this far. <laughs> um, I would say, beater of Malthus this year. That's, that's okay. my advice.
0: Short sure and simple. Nice.
1: Yeah. Um, this is a question from... Who sent this to me? It was Aiden Horn sent me this. When you're playing basketball and you either commit a foul or offensively or defensively or whatever, are you allowed to lie to the ref even though you knew you did it? No,
2: I think the answer is obviously not. I think the better question is if the ref calls, let's say, that you got fouled and you know you didn't get fouled and they call it off This is in like
1: a halakhic way. Not-
2: I know. If the ref calls it off them and you know it was off you, do you have the responsibility to then tell the ref uh, he was wrong? So I I have no idea. I don't know. It's a good question. I would assume not because, in general, like, we don't tell the refs things. You don't tell him when, you know, you think he was wrong against you, and you also don't tell him when you think he was wrong for you. They do say a story that Mary Torski from YU used to play uh, in leagues in NCS by Colo, and that one time he was – fouled and they sent him to the line and he said he wasn't fouled and he just rolled the ball back to the ref twice. That's the story they say. Wow.
1: Well, so I guess that's our answer? Maybe. We'll, we'll do more research. Costume like him. Um, yeah. If you listen this far, text me. I'll text you the answer tomorrow. Alright, here's our next question. Did John Morant deserve to win Most Improved Player over oh. Jordan Poole? That's from my friend from Montreal, Noam Schechter, who's at Shonda this year.
0: Shout out to him. Do you think that's one? I'd say yes, because, it, like, he. I I think statistically he just had the best numbers. No. The thing is, the only reason I think the slight you would have against John Morant is that his team. I, I mean, like, uh, it's a tough question. But I'd say I'd say he deserved it because he had an he made an unreal jump. And that's what he was supposed to do. Like, it's not, it's most improved. It's It's not like, oh, you're already a good player, but you got better. It's most improved. He, I think he improved the best, the most. Okay, but and using that Poole.
1: logic, Jordan Poole is nothing, and now he's averaging 19 points per game. So that's Right, It's a, a question of is the most improved. It's not improved. stats, it's improved. Yeah, generally
2: most improved has been used for players who were not good at all. I know. And became solid.
1: That's why I have, I had right. winning it.
2: But... It really makes sense to say that it could go for somebody who went from being like a really good player to like an absolute megastar. Yeah, he
1: was he was a MVP in,
2: favorite. In, historically, you would have usually given it to someone like Poole just because he, you know, he started from the bottom. Now he's here. Oh. Paraphrase.
1: Nice. I know you listen. I'm to relatable. Change.
2: I don't. I he's been around.
1: He's oh, he's been, been around. around. Okay. When you were young, he's you listened to. No. Yeah. No. Nope. All right. Fine. All right. Next question is for my dad. He writes, I'm a long-time listener, first time, <laughs> first-time caller. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> love, the, love the podcast. After all the discussion of first, second, and third team All-NBA. Oh, he listened to the last episode that was published yesterday. Wow. And seeing two conference championship MVPs named. Who do you name to your NBA All-Underrated and All-Underappreciated team we had this for discussion. the playoffs? Uh... So for your five most underrated guys from the playoffs that were underrated or underappreciated. Do we uh, do the same thing we did last time? Uh, By the way, just quick, uh, we're just gonna give a quick background. The part the, We did a Q&A a few episodes ago and it was corrupted, but this question was, was asked. Oh, and, that this question And was, uh... we, we wrote them down, but it took time. So we'll pause and we'll be back one second, so it'll feel like a second for you, but we need time to think about this one.
0: Okay. Uh, we're just gonna do one, yeah.
1: Yeah, we decided we're doing one because five is impossible. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Benyamin has to go to sleep. It's past bedtime.
2: <laughs> I slept to clean out the toilet
1: pot. Oy. It was uh, a
3: pretty good
2: one. Have it again this hour. All right.
1: Um,
0: I would for my one player, Jalen Brunson. He had that crazy game that, that clutch player. No.
2: Hmm.
0: Okay. Fine. <laughs> I thought we were gonna just agree. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Fine, so you'll take Jalen Brunson. You'll say Jalen Brunson. My player will be, uh, it'll be probably Rav Shimshon. Uh, this playoffs, he
1: played really um, well. Rav Shimshon just walked in. We're doing a podcast for a quick background. Say hi, Rav um, Rav Shimshon is the absolute goat. Come say hi. Hey guys, how
4: we doing?
2: We're it's good. It's a
4: pleasure to be here. I uh, appreciate the uh, opportunity. Come join your podcast, and uh, I look forward to uh, being part of the conversation.
2: Oh
0: yeah! All right, who you can your, stay for the Q and A. Who is your most line. underrated player this playoffs?
4: Definitely, uh, definitely Sean Kemp. Oh my god! During the uh, slam dunk contest, but uh, since then, I think uh, we we all understand why he might may just be the best player in the league this year. And uh, as far as I'm aware, uh, that's, that's probably the last time I watch a basketball game. So, <laughs> gentlemen, I have a wonderful Wait, wait, weekend. there's one I'm more, and it's, it applies to you.
1: All right, okay. thank you for your answer. Um, thank we'll you so we'll much. go to the last question that he can actually answer. Um, what is your favorite safer all time? Ooh.
4: Spiritual Revolution by Riff Cook. Um, it's a topical index of lots of different Riff Cook pieces, um, written by Rabbi Arizef Schwartz. And, uh, sorry, is that leading the microphone? Uh, so, uh, I find it uh, it has a lot of tremendous content, a lot of powerful pearls, and uh, just the overall nuance and insight that uh, comes at you from a very different direction than you used to. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Simple. Good night. Pleasure, guys. Pleasure. Enjoy. Have a good night. night bye, thank bye. you. Good night, Rob. Have a good night, podcast world.
1: All right. You two answer it now. Favorite safer of all time, slash most recommended?
2: Those are two different questions.
1: <coughs> so do two different ones. Uh,
2: again, first of all, meaning there's like I'm not, you know, talking in terms of most important. Obviously most important is Komish. Uh, and then it works its way down from there. My that's, that's, favorite what favorite.
1: that's what Roshaftus said when he was here. Really? Somebody asked him what was your favorite what's your favorite safer? Yeah, and he just Khomish. said Kumish, obviously. No, nah,
2: except when he says it he actually means it. Mm-hmm. Um and also, if you ever, like, listen to the Chomesh here, he just reads the and then says all the drashas that are connected to it. Um, so, meaning besides Chomesh, my favorite sefer is the brisker rav, the grizz on the rambo. I find it to be very clear, um, and it is very, very sweet Torah. In terms of uh, my recommended, um, there's something called the Kovei Tisodos Hakiros It has a very, like, clear and concise uh, way of giving over, like, a lot of basic lambdas. It's in Hebrew? Uh, It's in Hebrew, and it's very helpful when you're learning in yeshiva. It's got, like, an index of, like, every topic in shas, Uh, And it's just very helpful to be able to build sugyas and give chaburas and just to learn.
1: Maybe that's what we'll learn next year.
2: Maybe. That'd be interesting. Maybe. Yeah.
1: All right, Ozzy, favorite Uh, fare.
0: It could be, like, any... Anything, anything you want. Hmm. Recommendation? I'll say strive for truth because I think that is just a for truth. yeah strive for truth. Yeah. I think that is just a good guide for life, how to live, and I think everyone should live by it. But my favorite, like to learn, is I gotta say Tainus uh, because yeah. I like a lot of agatha I haven't learned Brachos yet. If I did, I'd probably say Brachos.
1: Yeah, I'm learning Brachos now. It's-
0: but uh, Tainus has a lot of Agadita, like a lot of cool stuff. It's, it's I, I find a lot of it interesting, and I have a great Chavrusa. Shout out to Judah Orlansky. All right,
1: so. Um, my Yours. favorite seafair is probably Toros Vigdor. Nice. It's Rav Victor Miller on the Parsha. They also have it on Moadim, but it's basically just Rav Victor Miller's Shirim transcribed. And I don't know, I just pine Rav Victor Miller. He, he's so passionate about everything he says, and you can tell even through the words. And he just cares so much, and uh, everything he says on the Parsha is it's, it's less of like a commentary and more of a muster safer connecting to the Parsha. He's our grand Rabbi, no? He's Yeah, because he's a mosque's Rabbi. Yeah. But uh, I mean, anything from Ruben Victor Miller is uh, amazing. And then my recommendation, Vinyaman's gonna laugh at this one, but I, the Akira Soramban from uh, Art School. At that? This book has, has a here, like, here. massive cult following. Massive. It does, but Agar- the Igarus Araman from Art Scroll. I used to read that
2: every single week. I, I used to know it by heart. Basically.
1: Okay, not the Ageras, the whole thing, the Art School one. I mean,
2: it's the same Igarus, it's just I know, the I'm saying parish.
1: it's like, yeah. That's okay. great
2: to understand it.
1: Yeah. So, Why do you
2: think I'm going to laugh at that? What
1: do you think wrong with that? <laughs> uh, Ravoas hates it. What? No, he Raboas doesn't. says that you can learn all of the Igarus in five minutes. Yeah, we did. On the bus in Poland,
0: we finished the entire Igarus in one hour.
1: Okay, but this book, it goes day by day for 30 days. So you do you you do monthly cycles, then you repeat it. But basically, it it like has inside of it, it expounds on the guerres, and it helps you like improve your your anger, your your humility, all tons of super important mitos. And I don't know, it's super practical stuff that you can actually apply to real life.
4: Sounds good. And uh, That's why I recommend
1: it. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. Huh? The outro, the outro goes on.
0: The outro goes.
1: Oh, it's automatic
0: outro. outro. The outro is just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come
2: on, what about like uh, the producers? Nah, 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 nah.
0: Thank you, special thank you to Gavi for producing, hosting, creating, and basically doing everything. Well, thank for the you podcast.
1: so much, for talking. And <laughs> Vinyamin for being here. Yeah, thank you, awesome Benyamin. Guys, thank you for having
3: me. A
0: pleasure. Peace.